You're listening to The Crunch with Cam Slater. Right here on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Masoko Ganaha is a brave independent journalist from Japan who is driven by a desire to wake up the Japanese public to the dangers of globalism and the designs of organizations like the WEF. I'm very privileged to welcome her to The Crunch. Thank you very much for having me. Now you've got a bit of a, a reputation around the world and have become a viral sensation and also because of your fierce independence in your reporting. Now, the viral video was when you managed to doorstep Klaus Schwab from the WEF. Would you like to tell us a little bit about that? Because most of our uh, our listeners won't have been aware that you confronted Klaus Schwab at Davos in the freezing cold. And we've had uh, Avi Yemeni and Ezra Levant on and, and Rukshan Fernando, and I know you've spoken to Rukshan in the past. Uh, so just to, if you can just explain what it was like at Davos and what it's like being an independent journalist in that environment. Uh, okay, thank you very much. Uh, so that was my first time uh, covering Davos uh, this January. Mm. Uh, to give you the basic uh, atmosphere information in Japan, many of your viewers are knowledgeable about what is happening in the world. Mm. It's not targeting just your country, but same thing happening all over the world. But not so many Japanese have woken up. So I'm trying to wake Japanese people up. And when I talk about Davos or World Economic Forum in Japan, first of all, people have not heard of these terms. Yeah. So I wanted to I wanted to realize that this is not just a conspiracy theory, but it is happening conspiracy and we are the target. So I wanted to take real footage and that those people are existing people. And I wanted to I myself wanted to learn what is really happening and not just by reading books or watching videos, interviews, but I wanted to talk to the people who are participating. That was the original intent and i i got lucky i think and i uh, i got the information about where Klaus schwab the chairman of world economic forum is going to be after these um meetings uh, so i decided to wait outside for three hours wow. where there was a japan night it's a very famous event during those people who attend Davos conference. So I thought maybe this year he's going to show up this event also. So I decided to wait and here he was. <laughs> Three hours in the freezing cold and uh, waiting to catch Klaus Schwab. And what did he do when you confronted him, when you stuck a camera in his face and asked him questions? Uh, first of all, he just rushed to his car with two securities and one, I think she was a secretary or I, I don't know what's her title, but there was three person around him. And so I tried to stop him to ask questions. So I have a bad habit asking questions if I can ask questions. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, Chairman Schwab, uh, may I ask a question? And first he ignored, but because I kept asking, he stopped and actually turned to me and he asked me 
which media are you from? Then I said, I'm on an independent media. Yeah. Then he changed his attitude and he just pretends that we didn't have conversation and he just took off to the car. But then I kept following. Kept following and kept uh, kept recording. And that's the thing with these people, isn't it? That they want to dictate how we should live, how our government should control our citizens. And they're not keeping this a secret, are they? No, they they say it. <laughs> <laughs> they say it and they do it. Yes. And you and look at, and so so you're trying to this must be very difficult for you from within Japan where the vast majority of people in Japan are compliant with government orders and government regulation and business rules and those sorts of things. And you are becoming a very loud voice saying to people, open your eyes, take your fingers out of your ears and start listening to what these people are saying and doing. Uh, yes, we have sort of like a culture. We call it what? It's if you write it in uh, English, it's W A W. Harmony. So, uh, if you were to observe Japanese people's behavior, a common factor is to we are to maintain this harmony. Wa. Mm. So that leaves us susceptible to this uh, totalitarian dictatorship. Right. So. Until now, until recently, I was thinking that saying we need to have a human rights, it was like a left-wing thing. That's yeah. what I was feeling. That's a lot of many Japanese conservatives still think. But it's not just that. They are actually, there is no right and left political um, battle. It's a staged. So we need to realize in our fundamental uh, rights are really under threat. So, and those, those rights are universal. I mean, in New Zealand, we don't have a word like wa, right? What what we have is an a prevailing attitude where people go along with what everybody else is doing so they can get along with what everybody else is doing. And again, it, it made us very susceptible to totalitarianism where we had the harshest lockdowns where we had a government that gloated and laughed you know just prime minister jacinda ardern said when she introduced vaccine passports and uh, separated society between those who were vaccinated and those who were not and she was challenged by a journalist and asked aren't you creating a two classes of society and she said yep that's exactly what it is. Yep. And she grinned and smiled. And she didn't even realize at the time, I don't think, what she was saying. But she was a, you know, a socialist. She's a hardcore socialist, was advocating for the creation of two classes of, of citizens. Have you got a similar kind of behavior like that happening in Japan as well that you're seeking to expose people to? Um, uh, I wanted to... Uh, make it clear if I understand your, your question. So mm. you're asking if there is any politician like you, in your country that there are people who are making classes? Yes. Ah, oh, they don't do it 
in an obvious way that happened in your country yet, but they don't say it, but they are doing it in, in Japan, I think. Those people who attend Davos, for example, Taro Kono, he's one of a, a minister. Mm. He's now a minister for di digital. He says one thing, but he doesn't follow it. He just enforces us and he does not take accountability. Uh, for instance, before being a minister for digital, he was in charge of vaccine distribution in Japan. Right. Yeah. And he was like, all the people who are saying the vax is very dangerous, they are the conspiracy theorists and they are the demagogue. But after we discovered in Japan that many people are hurt and many people have lost their lives, he mm. just kept mouth shut. And what he mentioned after being a minister of digital, he said, it's not my job anymore. So I'm not going to talk about it. That's what he <laughs> said. So uh, he's doing it and he's saying it, but um, he doesn't take accountability. And the media in Japan is letting this happen. Because of their silence. Yes. Plus, they are part of this ecosystem in the world <laughs> to <laughs> make us kettles. Yeah. So you've got a very difficult job in Japan as an independent journalist. You're being challenged not only by the politicians who don't want to be held to account, but also by the media who have become the mouthpieces of the politicians, and then by the citizens of Japan who are used to doing what they're told, despite the evidence in front of them that's obvious, you know, like the vaccine injuries, the the, the deaths that are occurring, all of those sorts of things. And, and you know, I find it ironic too in that, you know, there was a treatment that was available called ivermectin, which was discovered by a Japanese scientist. And yet even in Japan, ivermectin wasn't available as a treatment. Now, many people have imported by themselves, including myself. <laughs> and, and, and I did the same. Our government banned ivermectin for two years in New Zealand. And you couldn't get it unless you did what you did and what I did. And we brought it in ourselves. And uh, I think it's a crime that's been committed against you know, the people of both of our countries by the politicians doing this, but it's only brave people like yourself that are drawing attention to it. And uh, you must feel lonely at times doing what you're doing. Uh, <laughs> uh, actually, uh, since I started to travel around the world to find out what is happening and uh, what should I say, research on this globalist, mm. Uh, so many good things happened to me. Yeah. One of it is including finding the people who are standing up, like yeah. yourself. Yes. And so I think I've been making best friends in this couple recent years. <laughs> and they're, pe they're people that believe like you do as well. I mean, you've spoken to Rukshan Fernando. He, he was a guy who was a wedding uh, photographer before. COVID, and now he's an independent journalist, and Avi Yamini and Ezra Levant from Rebel News and, and other independent journalists that 
are standing up, that are standing on the shoulders of brave people to hold politicians and, in worse, people like Klaus Schwab, who are unelected, uh, that have this organization with billions of dollars available to them and are essentially brainwashing whole populations. Mm. Uh, yes, uh, like you mentioned, brave journalist from Rebel News. I yes. met uh, Ezra Levant yeah. and uh, Avi Yamini uh, in Davos. Actually, they are the one who inspired me to go to Davos because the, the year before, they did reporting from Davos and yes. I saw it on uh, online. And I did not know until then that we can actually go there and confront those people. Yes. So uh, you, you asked me if I feel lonely doing this kind of work. I do. I don't feel loneliness, actually, because by doing this kind of work, actually, I uh, created good human relationship with all people all over the world. So I feel myself. I'm in a war, like we are in a war, not just a political argument or any kind of event. It, we are in a war, I, I think. So in a war, we find good friends relatively easily. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd like to introduce you one book that yes. I've recently been reading. Uh, I don't have it right now. It's, I thought it's in the bookshelf, but it's called The... Uh, Loneliness of totalitarianism. Yeah. Weaponization of loneliness of totalitarianism, which is written by a American researcher. And she used to be a CIA agent researching yeah. on Soviet Union and the propaganda that happened in those uh, eras. And she's analyzing how our loneliness it's not like our weakness as loneliness, but our mecha mind mechanism. We are not made to be lonely. We are made to be with other human beings to communicate. That's the healthy uh, environment. So she explaining how those globalists and those people are using our mechanism to manipulate us by using this loneliness. So if I are asked about whether I feel lonely or not, I try every day to make myself not lonely because right. that's one of the fight or one of the technique that we protect ourselves and our society. And also, if you were to think about the situation where one victim is tortured by totalitarianist people. Yes. Everything they do, one thing in common is to take your hope away so that you feel lonely. Then they have a chance to brainwash you or to make you into a cattle. So I always try not to feel lonely. And <laughs> that's the part of fight I'm doing every day. Yeah, that, so that's that's the book by Stella Marabito. Yeah, um, yes, yes. The weaponization of loneliness: how tyrants stoke our fear of isolation to silence, divide, and conquer. And 
that's exactly what was done in New Zealand under COVID with lockdown rules. You know, we had our prime minister come on television and tell people not to talk to their neighbors. She actually said that. Do not talk to your neighbors. Stay at home. Talk to no one. Only listen to us. We're the one source of truth. That's what she said. That's what they did. And this author, you're saying, from the CIA says this is a strategy, this is a tactic, and they do that to control us. So yeah. you, so what you're saying then to people that are listening or people who are watching your channels or uh, looking at your journalism is be brave, stand up, and don't be silent. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and, and in doing so, you will no longer be lonely because you'll be surrounded with other people who think the same way. Yes, if we do not resist in a way, we actively seek for our ally or friends, then you will be automatically be isolated. Mm. That is how our society is structured now. And uh, I am now um, kind of like protecting my country, Japan, from Japanese government. Yeah. <laughs> this awareness came to my mind when I experienced a isolation process when I came flew back from other country back to Japan. As soon as I arrived, I arrived to the airport, they tested as if we are all <laughs> dangerous people. <laughs> and then if you get negative, which the test itself is not reliable, but mm. they, it's like we are in a waiting room as if we feel like, are we guilty or not? Like huh. you are guilty until proven innocent, <laughs> that mentality. And when I got a negative test result, I was happy, but <laughs> I felt like, oh, they are playing my mind. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if you get negative or positive. If you flew out of the country, you are to stay in a ho- designated hotel by the government yeah. for a certain days. And I was at a very famous uh, luxurious hotel that yeah. they provided me. But then I experienced, uh, I realized, uh, until then, I thought Japan is better than other countries. <laughs> like we yeah. don't do lockdowns and our government are not crazy as others. But then I realized they're taking this procedure to make mm. us isolated, as exactly described in the book that yeah. I have read. Then I realized, oh, my government, Japanese government, is also have became the part of this big globalist machinery yeah. to control us. So that was a turning point for me to become even more concerned. And you've kept up doing that because you're now standing up against the government. You're also going and exposing these globalists and their methods of control and their designs because there's warnings out there about what they are up to if you look at places like Sri Lanka. And the WEF provided an economic plan for Sri Lanka, which collapsed the economy. And now the Sri Lankan people are revolting against that, and the government's not knowing what to do about it. 
We'll never see that happen in Japan, though, will we? Um, at this point, I think anything can happen because mm. that's how much they are capable of. Like they are so deep into our society in many ways. So I think we have to be ready for anything. I learned that if we are surprised by an event, Mm. Or if you are saying, oh, I cannot believe this, that means the paradigm in our mind is not correct if you are surprised by the, those phenomena. Yeah. So I, I think we have to be ready for anything that can be ha- happening. What's Japan's view on uh, centralized bank digital currencies? Because that's mean- a WEF plan. Uh, you mean the Japanese government or yes. the people? The Japanese oh. government. What is the government saying about uh, centralized bank digital currencies? And then the second question is, what do the Japanese people think about that? Uh, okay. So I'm not closely following the, into the details, but uh, basically it's it's sad to say, but Japanese government is, in a way, we are not independent country. <laughs> Uh, we, our government is a branch of uh, U.S. government. Right. <laughs> so we cannot oppose anything that they do or they impose. So at this point, if U.S. government or WEF or the yes. globalist organization are pointing to one direction, then we are just to follow. Our government is just to follow. Right. That's the situation. So... In terms of this digital currency, there are no argument about opposing it, but our government is trying to make us ready for those environment. They are disguising as, oh, we need to create systems so that we can prevent fraud or international money laundering. Yeah. So I've been getting a lot of, not myself, but a lot of the banks are now requiring all the paperwork and we call it my number. It's yeah. a number that given from the government to each uh, citizen in Japan. Yeah. So the personal ID number was created and the number is now connected to the bank. But at this point, it's voluntary. So I'm not giving my number. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I'm sure they are going to create environment that so that we have to give it in order to live in a society. So that's what I'm trying to warn people, but it's uh, going forward one by one. Yeah, that's that's what they do, isn't it? It's little tiny steps towards totalitarianism that the vast majority of people won't or don't notice until they finally wake up and it's too late. Mm, yes, and about LGBT ideology, that was. One huge, uh, what should I say, crisis that happened recently in Japan. Mm. And I think that was occasion many Japanese people woke up, but kind of like it was too late because the law has been passed already. Yeah. And in Japan now, there's a law. uh, It's about understanding LGBT people. Right. They say we have to understand so that we can have an inclusive society. I don't like this word, but they use this word. And 
what they're saying is that we have to affirm people's uh, illusion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's a good description. We have to affirm people's illusion. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And because they put this in legislation, now our tax is going to be used to indoctrinate our children in the school system. And now if you come to Japan, you see a lot of uh, rainbow sign mm. on bathrooms and where I live, uh, it's uh, near Tokyo. Mm. This place called Saitama Prefecture, the governor have signed a law. Its goal is to educate, put education mm, curriculum in, in schools 100%. So they're going to do this in all the schools in this prefecture. And so that kind of things have uh, happening. And what I was going to say is that what I mean by we are not independent is the ambassador, American ambassador to Japan mm. was advocating strongly that Japan should pass this law. And he invited a lot of the politicians to the embassy. And despite a lot of politicians' opposition, or despite a lot of Japanese people's opposition, Japanese government passed this law, even ignoring the, uh, what should I call, the, the vote? The wishes of the voters. Uh, yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yes. And so they just ignore the principle of the majority. Mm. So that happened under the pressure of foreign politicians. Mm. Uh, by seeing this phenomenon, we once again realized, even if we say we are independent country and we are good allies with the United States, but what is really happening is that we are just following the orders. And I want to emphasize that I'm not talking about anti-American people. Right. We are talking about the government which is dictating the United States. And I have many friends in the United States, the conservative people, they call it the current government, occupied government of the United States. Yeah. So American people even don't see the legitimacy of the government in the United States. So in this sense, we have same enemy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, enemy is a strong word, but... Uh, when you look at what they're doing against the wishes of the voters, it's perhaps not strong to call them the enemy of the people because they're not, they don't listen to us. They're not listening to the voters. They're not listening to independent journalists. They're working together with other media to suppress independent views. And, you know, I admire journalists like yourself in countries like Japan where the culture is to comply. For you to stand up, be brave, and say, I'm not complying, and here's why. And we need more people like you out there uh, doing independent journalism so that more people can understand that the politicians are not our friends, even though they like to pretend they are. They're not. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, 
I do a lot of uh, interviews and reporting, but what motivates me the most is a story I heard from my relative uh, back in the day when Japan was fighting against the United States. Uh, there are many young people who sacrifice themselves to protect the future. Mm. I'm not talking about the war it was good or bad. I'm not. To- I'm talking about the mentality or the yes. people who, what should I say, believed in mm. our my, ourselves, like future generation, yep. and they put their life aside, and then they dedicated their life to the country and uh, offsprings like myself. And I have a relative who was 18 years old at at that point, and she decided to help the soldier to treat as a nurse. And my grandmother, she met her, and she, my grandmother, trying to stop her going to the war because she knew that she's not going to come back. But when she, my grandmother said it, then this lady said, "Uh, there are so many things that I want to do. But it is my sincere hope that I can do something to the country. And she never came back. Since I heard that story when I was little, I have realized we are now living in a, even though we are living in this globalist ruling world, but Mm. we are living in a very good society. And we have very good, uh, comfortable house and very good service civilized world but this is not free no it's because of the people like my relative who sacrificed for the society for the future so i'm just getting the merits and i i don't want to be the ones to pollute i i need to take part in her fight because it's continuing so so i cannot ignore it's it's not sincere it's not how we live (laughs) no i can see you're very passionate about that and you know i love to see that that people are passionate about what they do and you're passionate about your journalism and you using your journalism your intelligence your words your you know your videos to fight for freedom for a better world and uh it's so heartening to see that there are people like you out there that are standing up and we need to expose not just your own citizens but the citizens of all countries including New Zealand to those views and and that's why I wanted to interview you on this so that people in New Zealand who have been fighting for freedom can know that there are other people around the world that are standing up and are as passionate about freedom and rights as you are. And like, you know, I, I come from a conservative background and I used to think human rights and all of those things was a left-wing perspective until someone took my rights away. And then I decided this is too important. And that's what I'm getting from you, from talking with you, that you feel that so strongly that you're not going to give up. You're going to keep on fighting and you're going to keep on telling those stories that are important not only to the citizens of Japan, but to the citizens of the world. Uh, yes, uh, thank you very much. Uh, it's been a great uh, opportunity for me. And uh, I especially would like to express my highest respect to the people in New Zealand, because 
in your fight is very important and it was one of the most severe fights. But you are standing up and you're showing us hope and the importance of uh, keep fight fighting. So I cannot express my respect en enough. Uh, I just really uh, admire. Thank you so much for that. And uh, look, I'm sure our listeners uh, are going to start following you as well uh, on social media and, and everywhere else that you put your stories out there. And I, I really appreciate the time that you've taken today to talk to my listeners so that they can know that there are people out there outside of New Zealand that are fighting just as hard as they are. And I appreciate your time today. And thank you so much. Uh, thank you very much. I got uh, power today. <laughs> <laughs> you too. Excellent. Thank you so much, uh, Masako. I appreciate your time. And uh, we'll have to talk again sometime. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank you. What a brave and inspiring story. Masako Ganaha is certainly someone well worth following. Add her to those you follow to show your support for brave, independent journalists so that they know they are not alone. Fill that mailbag with comments about Masoko by emailing inbox at realitycheck.radio or text to 2057. This is The Crunch with Cam Slater. Conversations with a side of controversy right here on RCR.